Envision this. Your patient is a 53-year-old male who comes to your clinic accompanied by his wife. His snoring keeps getting worse. Sometimes it sounds as if he stops snoring, and I worry that he's not breathing because he's usually so loud, she says. The patient adds, I'm not sleeping well at night, and then I keep falling asleep when I sit down to watch TV. I don't get it. On exam, his body mass index is 31 kilograms per meter squared, and his blood pressure is 150 over 90 millimeters per mercury. His physical exam is otherwise unremarkable. How will you explain your patient's condition to him and his wife? Welcome to Audio Bricks. This is Ed Barnes breaking down sleep apnea in your ears. After completing this brick, you will be able to 1. Define sleep apnea and its two types. 2. Describe the clinical presentation of patients with sleep apnea. 3. Explain the pathophysiology and causes of sleep apnea. 4. Explain the diagnosis of sleep apnea. And 5. Explain the management of sleep apnea. Part 1. What is sleep apnea? Sleep apnea is a sleep disorder characterized by decrease or impaired ventilation during sleep, leading to a disruption of sleep. It's the most common breathing disorder related to sleep. The two main types of sleep apnea are obstructive sleep apnea, also known as OSA, which is more common, and central sleep apnea, also known as CSA, that is much less common. What's the difference? OSA is a chronic condition of recurrent upper airway obstruction during sleep. Obesity and various pharyngeal abnormalities, like enlarged adenoids in the throat, are risk factors. In contrast, CSA is a condition in which ventilation is decreased because of an impaired central nervous system or CNS respiratory drive. The symptoms of CSA are very similar to those of OSA, but the cause is quite different. It's a neurological problem seen mostly in older patients. Approximately 22 million people in the United States have OSA, with up to 80% of the cases undiagnosed. The estimated incidence in the U.S. males is 15% to 30% and 10 to 15% in premenopausal females. After menopause, the incidence in females approaches that of males. CSA is much less common, seen in about 1% of the population. Let's stop for a quiz. What is the difference between obstructive sleep apnea, OSA, and central sleep apnea, CSA? OSA is a chronic condition of recurrent upper airway obstruction during sleep, whereas CSA is a condition in which ventilation is decreased because of an impaired respiratory drive. Part 2 How do patients with sleep apnea present? Most people with sleep apnea are unaware that they have this condition. They may have nonspecific symptoms of disordered sleep, like excessive daytime sleepiness, morning headaches, or fatigue. Patients with OSA may wake up gasping or choking or with a dry mouth. 
The history may come from a partner they sleep with, in both OSA and CSA. The sleep partner may have noted that the patient stops breathing while asleep, also known as an apneic episode. In OSA, the partner may report heavy snoring, choking, or snoring from the patient while asleep. Here's another quick quiz. What are the common symptoms of obstructive sleep apnea? Common symptoms of OSA are daytime fatigue, morning headaches, and awaking, gasping, or choking. Part 3. What is the pathophysiology of sleep apnea? In both OSA and CSA, the patient experiences hypoventilation during sleep, but for different reasons. In OSA, something interferes with the typical air exchange, hence the term obstructive, while the patient is asleep. This obstruction can be due to an upper airway abnormality or obesity, which narrows the upper respiratory passage. With normal sleep, when a person is lying supine, air must pass over and then beneath the tongue, beneath the soft palate, and get by the epiglottis to reach the trachea. In patients with OSA, all these structures become potential obstructions to airflow. This leads to increased effort to breathe, but with decreased air passage through the upper airway. Specific disorders associated with OSA include obesity, abnormalities of the upper airways, and other associations. Let's spend some time on each of these. Obesity, with a body mass index or BMI greater than 30 kilograms meter squared is a common clinical finding in patients with OSA. Patients with obesity commonly have increased fat deposits around the neck that are difficult to move during inspiration. This leads to a complete or partial closing of the airway. Decreased chest wall excursion can occur because of excess fat deposition there. Note that increased waist and neck diameter are more connected to OSA than obesity itself. Abnormalities of the upper airways can also obstruct normal breathing when the patient is lying down. These may include nasal congestion and abnormally positioned or short mandible, a large tongue or epiglottis, enlarged tonsils or adenoids, redundant neck tissue as seen in obesity, craniofacial structural abnormalities that may limit airflow, and weakened upper airway muscles. The most common cause in children who do not usually get OSA is adenoid hypertrophy, which is surgically correctable. Other associations include pregnancy, cardiovascular disease like hypertension, heart failure, or atrial fibrillation, chronic lung disease like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma, pulmonary hypertension, Endocrine diseases, examples include hypothyroidism, acromegaly, or polycystic ovaries. Parkinson's disease and chronic kidney disease. For most, the reason for the association is not known. Let's transition over to a discussion on the causes of central sleep apnea. Patients with CSA have decreased respiratory drive from the brain. Increased age, male sex, 
heart failure, stroke, and use of opioids are risk factors. Why does CSA cause a decrease to respiratory drive? Let's start with the normal respiration mechanism. The brain's respiratory center is very sensitive to the partial pressure of arterial carbon dioxide, or PaCO2. When PaCO2 decreases below a set apneic threshold, impulses will not be sent to the muscles to initiate respiration, and the patient will temporarily stop breathing. Consequently, CO2 will accumulate in the blood, and the PaCO2 will rise above the required threshold for breathing to restart. In the most common cause of CSA, one of several triggers causes transient hyperventilation, lowering the PaCO2 and inducing the central apnea. These patients appear to be much more sensitive to this lowered PaCO2 than healthy patients, so they develop more apneic episodes. Stroke and heart failure appear to cause CSA by this mechanism, although the mechanism is not always known. A smaller number of patients instead have persistent hypoventilation during sleep, not driven by low PaCO2. This is mostly seen in patients with neuromuscular disease, like encephalitis or polio, as well as in patients taking respiratory suppressant drugs such as opiates or benzodiazepines. Let's stop for a quiz. What is the difference between the causes of central sleep apnea and obstructive sleep apnea? CSA is a decrease in the respiratory drive, whereas OSA shows an upper airway obstruction to ventilation, increasing the work of inspiration and decreasing airflow. Next, let's discuss complications. Patients with chronic OSA are at increased risk for cardiovascular diseases such as hypertension, pulmonary hypertension, coronary artery disease, and right-sided heart failure. The precise mechanisms are not known, although intermittent hypertension during sleep as well as an activated inflammatory response in patients with OSA seem to be involved. The obesity associated with most patients with OSA may also contribute. Part 4. How do we diagnose sleep apnea? The first step in diagnosis is obtaining a good patient history. Rule out other causes for disordered sleep, like a noisy household, irregular work shifts, anxiety, and psychiatric disease. No specific findings on the physical exam are diagnostic for sleep apnea. In OSA, the patients may have clinical findings of obesity, for example, a BMI of greater than 30 kilograms per meter squared. However, OSA can also occur in patients with lower body weight an enlarged neck or waist circumference is more predictive than total body weight. Some patients with OSA may have a small or posteriorly oriented mandible or narrowing of the oropharynx, for example, by enlarged adenoids, tonsils, or uvula, or nasal polyps. In addition, elevated blood pressure may be present. OSA is a cause of secondary hypertension. What type of diagnostic testing is available to help with diagnosis? A diagnosis of sleep apnea can be made by 
polysomnography, or PSG, a sleep study done in a sleep laboratory or at home. To perform PSG, a patient is connected to a variety of monitors that measure brain activity, oxygen saturation, and respiratory effort, as well as video the sleeping patient. The severity of OSA is based on the number of respiratory-related disturbances in an hour of sleep. Let's stop for a quiz. How is the severity of sleep apnea measured? Severity depends on the number of respiratory disturbances during an hour of sleep as recorded by polysomnography. Part 5. How do we manage sleep apnea? A variety of methods to treat sleep apnea are available. Because sleep apnea is a chronic disease, the patient and provider should expect making a lifelong effort to manage the condition. An OSA encouraging weight loss and avoidance of alcohol and sedatives as well as counseling about sleep positioning may be helpful. Medications to avoid include benzodiazepines, barbiturates, opiates, and antihistamines. Some patients with OSA develop more symptoms with sleeping supine, and if documented, this can be treated with home devices that vibrate when the patient turns to that position. If lifestyle changes are unsuccessful, the best treatment for most patients with OSA is continuous positive airway pressure, or CPAP. Air is delivered via a mask at a pressure high enough to overcome obstruction in the head and neck and enter the trachea for air exchange. CPAP works by increasing upper airway pressure, helping to continuously maintain the patency of the upper airway. Here's another quiz. How does continuous positive airway pressure, or CPAP, treat OSA? CPAP increases airway pressure, preventing the collapse of the upper airway structures that can impede airflow causing OSA. In mild to moderate cases of sleep apnea, oral appliances can help keep the airways open during sleep. Depending on the patient, dental or mandibular devices can be used to keep the tongue from blocking the throat or to advance the mandible forward thus enlarging the available space. Children with suspected OSA should be referred to an otolaryngologist. Adenotonsillectomy is the first-line therapy for children who have adenotonsillar hypertrophy. Even if the hypertrophy of the tissue is not the singular cause of OSA, surgery has been shown to be beneficial. It improves daytime behavior, decreases sleepiness, and increases the quality of life. Although surgical erection in adults is rare, the adult patients with tonsillar or adenohypertrophy or structural abnormalities, surgery has been shown to be effective. How about the management of central sleep apnea? Treating CSA begins with removing sedative drugs if possible. Patients with CSA due to heart failure may benefit from CPAP, like those with OSA. Patients with persistent nighttime hypoventilation, for example, after strokes, may instead benefit from bilevel positive airway pressure or BiPAP, 
which is like CPAP, but with higher pressures delivered during inspiration. And that brings us to the end of our discussion of sleep apnea. Now let's recap to see if we completed our goals. First, are you able to name and define the two types of sleep apnea? Obstructive sleep apnea, or OSA, is the most common of the two. It's a chronic condition of recurrent upper airway obstruction during sleep. Central sleep apnea, or CSA, is less common and is when ventilation is decreased because of impaired central nervous system respiratory drive. Next, are you able to name three of the main symptoms of sleep apnea? The main symptoms of sleep apnea are excessive daytime sleepiness, morning headaches, and fatigue. Other history of findings may come from a partner they sleep with, like observation that the patient stops breathing while asleep or aptic episodes. The partner may also report heavy snoring, choking, or snorting from the patient while asleep. Next, can you name the two main causes of obstructive sleep apnea? Obesity with the body mass index of greater than 30 kilograms per meter squared is a common clinical finding in patients with OSA. Abnormalities of the upper airways can obstruct normal breathing when the patient is lying down. These may include nasal congestion, an abnormally positioned or short mandible, a large tongue or epiglottis, or enlarged tonsils or adenoids. Next, are you able to name the diagnostic test used most often in the diagnosis of sleep apnea? A diagnosis of sleep apnea can be made by polysomnography or PSG, a sleep study done in a sleep laboratory or at home. And finally, can you describe the primary intervention made in the management of obstructive sleep apnea? The use of continuous positive airway pressure, or CPAP, is a primary intervention made in the management of sleep apnea. Air is delivered via a mask at a pressure high enough to overcome obstruction in the head and neck and enter the trachea for air exchange. And that's it. Armed with your newfound knowledge on sleep apnea, let's get back to the patient from the beginning of this episode. You are seeing a 53-year-old male who's accompanied by his wife, and they report daytime somnolence, snoring, and fatigue. How will you explain your patient's condition to him and his wife? Sleep apnea is high in your differential diagnosis list and you schedule a sleep study to confirm your suspicion. You explain to your patient that this is not just a problem of disrupted sleep. It can affect his overall health, including his heart and blood pressure. You also tell him you'll arrange a sleep study and order some tests to check on his blood pressure and heart. You prescribe medication for his hypertension and schedule a follow-up appointment shortly after the sleep study when you will be able to go over the test results get him started with sleep apnea treatment and begin the conversation about his weight and overall health. 
And that's it for our show. Make sure to like and subscribe if you like what you hear. And remember, your feedback helps us improve. You can enjoy the full Brick experience online at www.usmole-rx.com, complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. So go check that out if you haven't already. Until next time.